take your scriptures and turn back to that Luke 6 passage, if you would, please. Again, that's page 862 in the Red Bible, if you need it. Which is your favorite Disney animated movie? There are Snow White, Pinocchio, Cinderella, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, Peter Pan, my favorite, Tangled, Sleeping Beauty, Little Mermaid, and so forth and so on. How many like Tangled? The rest of you need prayer. <laughs> why do we like these stories so much? Um, why do these stories resonate with us? I think it's because they are fairy tales. And in a fairy tale, what we really like the most is that it has a happy ending. And then at the end, it says what? The famous line... And they, yeah, they lived happily ever after. So you might be here this morning and thinking, Pastor Walker, I could use a little bit of happily ever after in my life. But we all know, you might be thinking in your heart, that we all know that living happily ever after only happens in make-believe, right? Or does it? See, what if according to Jesus, that you and I can really live Happily ever after. What if the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' way of showing and telling people how they can live happily ever after in this world? Now see, I would sell it short if I didn't tell you up front that there are two ways. There is the Jesus' way to live happily ever after, but there's also an alternative way. And you can see it because Jesus makes the contrast very obvious in our text in the two sections of the passage that we've looked at. You can see them because they're marked off so that there's no doubt what he's saying. In verses 20 through 23, Jesus uses the term blessed, happy, fortunate. I like to say flourishing or deeply satisfied. He uses it four times. You can see them there. They're very obvious in verses 20 through 23. But in contrast to that, he sets them against four woes. In verses 24 through 26. Now, they all have the same criteria in them or the same little pattern in them. And I would tell you this morning that both of them promise happiness. The Jesus way of living in this world will actually fulfill what it promises. The other way, the ones that begin with the word woe, they promise it, but they do not keep their promise. In fact... In and of itself, the word woe tells what it does bring. It brings condemnation. It brings ultimate destruction. So before you and I, as the commentator I read this week, he said the challenge of the Beatitudes is this. Will you be happy in the world's way or in Christ's way? That is really the choice that is before all of us today that you must make before you leave today. So following the way of Jesus will lead to blessedness, happiness, the truest way. If you follow the world's way, it will lead to woe, condemnation, judgment, destruction. So truthfully this morning, to be flat out honest with you, there are really only two ways of living in this world. You can be happy Jesus' way or you can be happy in the world's way. But they do not fulfill the promise the same. They do not lead to the same conclusions and results. Within these two frameworks, four blessings, four woes, 
there are two little words, actually the same word, twice in each framework. Can you look at them in the text? It's the little word used twice in each set, and that word is now. In verse 21, it says, Blessed are you who are hungry, circle it, now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now. In contrast to that, can you read with me verse 25 again? Woe to you who are full now. See, hungry now or full now, that's the choice. Then he says, he goes on to say, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now. See, you can weep now or laugh now. You can be hungry now and empty or you can be full now. And Jesus says, that's how radically opposite these two kingdoms and these two understandings of happiness is. So I wrote today on my my notes, the way that you and I define and live out happiness now will determine and demonstrate the happiness that we will have later. The two kinds of happiness can be brought, I think, in your can be put in your mind this way. There is a holy happiness, the way of Jesus, that has eternal rewards. And there is what I call a hollow happiness. A happiness that the world offers, but it's only external. It can't make you happy on the inside, and it's temporal at best and leads to destruction. The difference between holy happiness and hollow happiness is a chasm that stretches for eternity. The world's way, can I start there? The world's way of living happily ever after after has chiefly four different values. See them in the verses 20 through 23? Riches, I'm sorry, verses 24 through 26. Riches, fullness, laughing, acceptance. Now. See, that's the values that the world's offer of happiness are built on. Contrast that with the kingdom values of Jesus and the happiness that he offers. His are based on completely reversed values and they also are listed in verses 20 through 23, and they are poverty, hunger, weeping, mourning, and exclusion. So why did Jesus say it this way? Here's why. Because it's as if this morning he wants to put them on a scale. See, here's one alternative for happiness, and here's another. Here's the values that go with this, and here's the values that go with this. Blessings or woe. You see, it's an antithetical setup. He wants us, in fact, he is forcing us to choose today. He wants you to weigh out which way that you will choose to be happy. So the first contrast is riches and poor, those two values, because riches and poverty really are an issue of power in our world. And Jesus is asking, what kind of person when it comes to power will you be? Will you use your riches for yourself, for your own advancement, and your own aggrandizement and all of those things? Or will you use your money for your own personal advantage? Or will you do it for the advantages of others? Filled or hungry, which one will you be now? Because if you choose to be happy through fulfillment or being full, this is the way of finding happiness through material comforts, luxury cars, luxury homes, name brand clothes, exquisite restaurants, which usually leads to ignoring and being indifferent to the needs of people around us. We must choose between laughing and crying now. And the word laugh is not the usual word for laugh. It is a word in the Greek New Testament that means to gloat. It's like, I won and you lost. I'm laughing. 
In other words, I got one over you. I'm better than you. I'm on top of the game and you're down here and I'm laughing at that. And Jesus says, see, if you think that it'll make you happy because you're victorious and you're success and you power over someone and you got the victory and you put them down and you think that will bring you happiness, you have to choose that world or the world that Jesus says powering under will bring you happy. The fourth one is choosing between having people speak well of you or not speaking well of you. And in a world where all of our teenagers would know this, and all of us would, depending on what age you are, depending on what level you're at in it, that acceptance by others, popularity, recognition, acclaim, being a celebrity. I mean, why do people want to be these celebrities, the sports here? Because I want people to know. I want them to see how good I am. I want, this, I want all of those things. So we have struggles today, and we're more concerned about what our friends think than what our parents think. And we're more concerned about what our friends think than what God thinks. And we're more concerned about what's in vogue and popular in culture today and what the famous people are wearing and doing and saying and listening to their music. We're more interested in that than what God thinks. And we make choices all the time because in doing that, we believe that that will make us happy. And so we buy their clothes and we sing their songs and we act like them and talk like them and we even try to wear their glasses and, their, and, and, and on and on it goes. It's not just a fad. It's a choice. Because in doing so, we have believed that those things will make us happy. You might say, Pastor Walker, hey, I got a question. Why are those four things so wrong? I mean, riches and acceptance by people and being full. Why does Jesus attach a woe to them? I mean, that's serious stuff. I mean, by and large, practically everybody in our culture lives for those values. That's what everybody's after. But Jesus says those things are the source, not of happiness, but condemnation. Why are all of those things so wrong? Is it wrong for me to be full and satisfied and happy and have things in life and have people think I'm all... Is that wrong? You know what? It's not so much, Jesus, I think, would say, that those things are wrong in and of themselves. The problem is the word now. You see it? If you want those things now, if you are full now, in other words, here's the idea. If those things, riches and satisfaction and fullness and popularity and recognition, if that's what your life wants now, if it's your aim, if it's your purpose, it's the priority of your life and everything else is built around it now, he says, you will be excluded from the real happiness because they are antithetical. They don't go together. And I would tell you this morning, based on Jesus's words, that the power that is so strong in Christians' lives and the lives of our young people, the power the world has is the power of now. I want it now. I'm going to show you a 17-second clip. And you're probably going to have to be close to my age to appreciate it. But how many of you remember Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? Oh, wow, a lot of old people here. That's good. Now, how many of you remember Veruca Salt? Remember the golden goose and the eggs? And she, Remember what she says? Oh, take a look. Thank <laughs> you.
She was a bad egg. <laughs> she was a bad egg. Remember that? That's her mantra. Don't care how I want it now. Isn't that the cry, can I say the scream of our culture? You know, if you go into Starbucks now, and it, well, if you're a Christian, you'll probably go into Dunkin' Donuts. But you can go in there now. You don't have to wait in line anymore. There's an app, right? You can tell them what you want, walk in, and it's right there waiting for you. And you, you, pay, you have to pay because you paid online. You go, why? Because we can have our coffee now. You go to Walmart, you don't, you don't have to shop anymore. Did you know this? My wife hasn't shopped in well over probably two months. Because they'll shop for you. You walk in, I, I did it on Saturday. I drove up, pick up the stuff, they bring it to your car, put it in, you paid for it, they shop for you. It's all done. Because we can have it now. Roller coaster lines, you don't have to stand in those hours of hours of lines. You can put your name in, and when your time's up, you be there and you can go right to the front of the line. Pay your bills now online. You can do them all online. Pictures, you can have your pictures right now. I have an awesome commercial that Taco Bell now delivers. You know how? Grubhub. You don't have to go to Taco Bell anymore. And go th- you can have it delivered to your house now. Internet. You can have everything right now at your fingertips. Amazon in Texas now has Amazon Prime now that you can order and they'll deliver it to you in two hours. Yeah, I know. I'm praying for New Jersey to get that. Ebooks. You don't have to go to Barnes and Noble. Barnes and who? I don't know who they are anymore. You can go and e- download instantly. Have a book on your e-reader right now. I can read it right now. Netflix. You know what? Favorite your favorite movie used to come out, and you know it's going to be a series of movies. You don't have to wait till a year from now to get the second one. You can sit there from morning. I can watch the Lord of the Rings till next year. Well, I can have them all now. Netflix is taking away any surprise whatsoever, because here's the world that we live. It screams, "Don't care how, I want it now," and that's just it, isn't it? If you aim for happiness and fulfillment. Fullness and recognition and power and material stuff now, see, it will pay off. It gives you the results now. But have you ever thought this? If the now is all there is, if this world is all there is, then for probably a lot of people, that set of values doesn't seem so wrong. But when you are driven by the power of now, you don't understand this, that all the things that you're seeking after that you think will bring you happiness at best, at best, at best, will be temporary. And Jesus has a message for us this morning. If that's the way we pursue happiness, he says, you will laugh now, but you will weep later. You may be full now, but you will be empty later. You can strive to be accepted by your friends at school and everybody you think is cool now. He goes, but someday you will be not accepted, unacceptable to God. If being rich is your aim and your purpose and your priority now, see, at one point in your time when you stand before God, you will be desperately and eternally bankrupt and poor later. So if you build your life on now, you'll get the results of now. But the stark reality that Jesus brings to the forefront of our attention this morning is those things will not last. Case in point, ready? If you build your life on your looks, If you build your life on your beauty, it will fade. If you build your life, and some of you know this because I learned it again this year. If you build your life on the people that you love, like your dad, 
or your mom or your sibling, they will die. If you build your life on accomplishments and achievements and successes, someone will do better than you. Someone will surpass you. They will eclipse your records. Tom Brady won his sixth Super Bowl. He's been in nine Super Bowls. And I ask this question, not for the reason that you New England haters ask it. But I'm saying, the guy's 41. He's won so many Super Bowls. And then at the end of the game, he says, are you going to play next year? Absolutely. I go, why? Six Super Bowls. You've been in nine. You are a millionaire so many times over. You're famous. You've got records. Why? Because in a testimony years earlier, he says, I can't believe that this is all there really is. Is this all there is? So he needs another Super Bowl. Why? Because maybe someone will have more than him someday. See, hollow happiness never comes through on its promise. And according to Jesus, the only way that you can live happily ever after in this life and in the life to come is if you know him. If you know him and as his disciple, you follow him. And following him means living out what I call the inverted life. A life that is filled with, controlled by, dominated, saturated by, intoxicated by a life of the reversal of the world's values. It's a paradoxical lifestyle. And when you know Jesus and follow Jesus, you won't be controlled by the power of now. You won't be controlled by power and success and comfort and recognition. They won't drive you. You'll be able to say, I take or leave them because they're not the pattern They're not the passion of your life. See, Jesus is saying, here's what my happiness will offer you. It means that you can become the person who can embrace hungering and weeping now. See, you are a person who weeps in this life and because of its circumstances, but you still are blessed. You can lose your job, you can lose your loved one, and you can even have your marriage fold. But because you have me, you still can be blessed. You can still know happiness. In Jesus' kingdom, not anywhere else, blessedness and tearfulness go together. Because holy happiness, unlike hollow happiness, is not dependent on circumstances. See, Jesus says, my happiness, knowing me, following me, living the life of reversed values that is true happiness. See, you can become a person who can be hungry now and still be blessed. You can be hungry even though you're single. You can, single, you can be hungry to be married because you don't like to be alone. And even though that may stay the same, you can still be happy because you've got something that no one else has. For many who are hungry for the acceptance of their parents, who they never got growing up, they were never good enough, they could never do enough, and everything they did fell short of what their parents wanted, and they seemingly were even called such a disappointment. And you've been looking for that for decades and still don't have it. See, in Christ, you may never get it, but you can still be happy. Because hollow happiness can't give it to you. But holy happiness, because it's built on Jesus and not your circumstances, can. See, you can live this way in Christ Jesus because 
His cross, death, and resurrection liberates you. It frees you. It emancipates you from the world's value system. And if you take the time, and I'm only going to scan it for about two minutes, please listen. Luke's gospel is built on the theme of reversals. Mary, in her Magnificent, says that Jesus has come into the world as my little baby boy. And you know what that means? That the rich will be brought low and become poor. Those who sit up here will be brought down here. And those who are power will be powerless and the weak will be elevated. You know why? Because her whole story is about Jesus coming into the world. And you know what it means? Everything's reversed. Jesus is in the wilderness being tempted by the devil in Luke chapter 4. And the devil, you know what he offers him? Now. Jesus, you're hungry. 40 days. You haven't eaten 40 days. Eat now. Turn these stones into bread. You know what he says? I don't live by that. I live by the word of God. See, I don't have to have food now. At the end, he says, Jesus, here's all the kingdoms of the world. You know what? If you just bow down and worship me, you can have them now. You know what that means? There's no cross. Jesus, you don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to die to yourself. You don't have to do any of those things. You know what? Just bow down. Give me your life. And here's what Satan says. I'll give you real happiness. You ever heard that in your ear? Here's what he says. Oh, don't listen to that, pastor. You don't have to take up your cross. Don't deny yourself. You can look at whatever you want on the internet, guys. See, read whatever literature. Watch whatever movie you want. Teenagers, shh. You know what? Obeying your parents. Don't listen to that junk. You know what the real happiness is? You do what you want. Be your own person. You decide your identity. Don't let anybody tell you who you are, especially those people at church. And Satan whispers, see, just bow down to me. And I'll give you what you want now. Simon the Pharisee has Jesus over at his house. The woman comes in. And she's the one who gets on her hands and knees and she loves Jesus and wipes his feet with her hair and her tears. Simon, who looks like he has it all together, see, the reversal is Jesus says, you're not the one who loves me. Guess what? It's her. She's the one who loves me. It's completely reversed. Jesus says this, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. The great banquet, Jesus says, hey, at the great banquet someday, everybody who thinks they're going to sit at the table with me, they're going to be cast out. And those people that were out in the hedges and highways, and those ones who were the outcasts of society, they're the ones who will be sitting at my table. The complete reverse of what you might think. The prodigal sons, it's the rebellious son that the party is thrown for, not the one who stayed home. The rich man and Lazarus, they both die. And what everybody thinks is the rich man will be in heaven because God must be blessing him. The poor man must be in hell. And when you lift up your eyes, you see the opposite. It's the rich man in hell and the poor man in Abraham's bosom. And you wonder why, because that's what happens in the gospel. See, that's kingdom living. Not because your poor people go to heaven and rich people go to hell. No, because they had different hearts on the inside. The Pharisee and the tax collector, the guy says, I'm so great, I'm not like everybody else. And he prays and tells God, here's what I've done. I fast every day, and I do this in the week, and I, and I have all these things. And he looks like he's got it right. And here's the tax collector standing as far off from the altar of God as possible, beating his chest. God, be merciful to me, a sinner, because I don't deserve anything. And who's going to be right in God's eyes? And Jesus says in the story, well, the tax collector went down to his house justified. He was the one. Why? Because it's the reverse of what you think. Even on the cross, 
Here it is, Jesus dying in the Gospel of Luke. The religious leaders are throwing stuff in his teeth, as it were, and they were mocking him, come down from the cross if you're the Savior. And at the very beginning, the thieves, on both on each side, were mocking Jesus. But at the end, who is it that gets saved? Not the religious leaders. The thief on the cross says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. Oh, shocking that a thief will be with Jesus in paradise. Why? Because Jesus' kingdom is from the inside out. Jesus' kingdom is completely antithetical and countercultural to the world's value system around us. That's the way it is on every possible level. Can I point one thing out before we close? It's different on the inside and a different kind of happiness. Look at our text. At the very end of it, in verse 23, rejoice. He's going to say it again, second time for joy. Rejoice in that day. What day? The day that you get expelled from the synagogue. The day that that happens and your social life goes down the tubes and you can't buy things from anybody and no one will buy from you anymore. When people don't accept you and they don't say good things about you and they exclude you. The day that you get persecuted because you love Jesus more than anything else. He says, in that day, here's what you be. Not miserable, sad. Here's what he says. Get happy. Rejoice, he says. Why? And then leap for joy. Now, okay. Okay. Be happy. I'm working on it. You want me to jump up and down and be happy? I mean, leap for joy. You know the only other time in Luke's gospel that phrase is used? When little John the baptizer was an infant in his mom's womb, and Mary, with Jesus in her womb, comes to her house, and it says when Elizabeth got close to Mary, and John the baptizer baby gets close to Jesus' baby, it says, oh, in my womb, he leaped for joy. You know why? Because here's how you fight the world's value system. Here's how you fight joy that wants to give you all the things now. You know what you fight it with? Jesus' joy. Because he is the source of happiness. So how in the world can you rejoice and start skipping around and jumping up and down when all the things that naturally you would want to avoid happen to you? How can you still have happiness? Because you still have him. That's how. So you know what the Sermon on the Mount is? Whether it's Matthew's version or Luke's version, it's the way to be deeply satisfied in all that Jesus is for us. So Veruca Salt said, don't care how I want it now. But what if we changed it? What if we said this, don't care how I want him now. I want him now. That's true happiness. Question is, do you have it? Let's pray. In just a few moments, we're going to close our service with a little worship chorus, 633, open our eyes. Oh, open our eyes. That's my prayer to, for everyone this week. Open our eyes. Why? We just need to see Jesus, that he is the source of happiness, true happiness, not circumstances or situational happiness. Eternal happiness. Happiness that the world can't come through on, that really can't sustain it. It's hollow. Oh, I pray that we would see Jesus, reach out and touch him. Know that he's it. He's what we're looking for. And maybe you're here this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed and you'd say, Pastor Walker, I don't know that true happiness. And here's why, to be flat out honest, because I don't know him. Oh, I know about him. That's different. I'm in church, 
but I don't know him. I don't know. I've never come to the place where I recognize I'm a sinner and I need a savior. And I put my faith and my hope and my trust in Jesus. And what he did for me when he died on the cross and rose again was for me, for my sins. And I need him. I've never done that. I've never, can I say it by faith, connected to the true source of lasting eternal happiness. I need to. I need to trust him and give my life in full surrender to him today. I, I need to do that. With every head bowed and no one looking around, would you just slip your hand up and I just want to close in prayer in a few moments and pray for you. Say, Pastor Walker, I need to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. He's the only hope of happiness I have. Would you just slip your hand up? Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else all over balcony, main floor? Perhaps you're here today and you are professing to be a Jesus follower, that you're one of his disciples. Are you living out his kingdom values or the world's? No, be honest with yourself. Where do you get your happiness? You get it from the power of the world and it's now happiness? Or can you say like Jesus, I say no to now and I say yes to later. I want to have that happiness every day. Pastor Walker, I know Jesus, but That's not where I find my happiness, truthfully. By and large, it's not where it comes from in my life. And I'm finding it in all the things, the riches and the fullness and the satisfaction the world offers. That's why drunk people have to get drunk again and high people have to get high again. And you have to buy another thing and get something else in the mail and a nicer car. And you know why? Because it never satisfies. You say, Pastor Walker, I follow Jesus, but I've been ignoring the true way of happiness, but by his grace, no longer today. Would you just slip your hand up and I'll pray for you as well. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? It's time for me to say no to now. Anyone? Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you in the back as well. Thank you. Father, you have seen hands and more importantly, you've seen hearts. The world's power of now is incredibly strong. Its allurements and enticements, they are so deceptive. But they're so hollow, only if we had eyes to see it. Father, for those who raise their hand indicating they need you, may you grant them brokenness, true repentance, that they might come forward today not worrying about the acceptance of others, but your acceptance today and find you by faith as their Lord and Savior. For those as believers who raise their hand indicating that they have forsaken the true way of happiness, but long again to have the ability to say yes to later and no to now, grant them mercy that they might seek you with a whole heart. And we'll thank you for that richness in Christ's name. Amen.